This episode of the Eggology Club podcast is sponsored by My Lab Box. One thing you shouldn't have to worry about is getting tested for sexually transmitted diseases. Going to the doctor can be awkward and time-consuming. Now, there's an easier way. Introducing My Lab Box. It's a complete panel of STD testing shipped discreetly to your door. Tests take five minutes to complete, all from the privacy of your home. My Lab Box offers affordable tests, fast results, free physician consults, and it's easy to share your clean bill of health with your partner. Use the code EGGCLUB for 10% off your entire order. Don't stress, just test. Visit MyLabBox.com now to learn more. Remember, safe is sexy. This is Eggology Club Podcast, episode number eight, Doctor Shopping. Welcome to a new club, the Eggology Club. This podcast is redefining the modern-day journey to parenthood. Meet your co-hosts and new BFFs, Riddell, Valerie, and Kara. We're sharing our unfiltered real-life stories, and we hope you join the conversation, too. Follow us at eggologyclub.com. Hey, everyone. Episode 8, let's do this. Yay! Eggology Club podcast. Episode 8. Episode 8. Wow. Can you believe it? The topic we're going to cover today, I'm Valerie, your host. I'm Kegber. And I'm Raydell. Is how to pick your fertility clinic. What key questions to ask your doctors. Mm -hmm. And how to go about actually taking the steps to do this journey. Mm -hmm. The clinic is huge. You want to be so comfortable. I mean, it's such an intimate experience, so I'm excited to that we really talk about this. Yeah, we're going to dive in. So for me, one of the drivers, um, I got referred to one of the doctors that worked at the fertility center I went to. Uh, so that was a main uh, point of reference, was a referral to a certain doctor. Mm-hmm. And then not only did I look up reviews on that doctor, on their website, RateMDs, a few others, I also compared the statistics. Um, how many wins were they having? How many live births were they having? From appointment one all the way through, I felt really good. So it was a very easy decision for me. What was your vibe for the doctor when you met them? Was it a female or a male? Did you have a preference? Um, I usually only go female doctor. This one, I didn't have a preference. I just wanted to be with the best. But um, I listened to my gut and met with them, and I was ready to move forward. It was pretty simple. What about you, Adele? I think that's the same thing. Pretty much, I had a little bit of an insider track because my sister at the time was a fertility nurse um, at a clinic in the area. Once she started working for one of the founding doctors of that clinic, I really then felt a lot of trust with that clinic, of course, by default. If she was going to be my nurse and he could be my doctor... Um, like you, I only prefer female doctors, OBGYN, like with your OBGYN. Uh-huh, annual appointments. Um, but at that point, I didn't care as long as I felt like they were the leading expert in the field. So uh, with that, I went with them. Um, I do think that if I didn't know my sister there, I, I, don't, I didn't love the vibe of the clinic like when I was going through it. I didn't, I felt like it was a little bit of distance and I didn't connect with the staff as much when I was going through it on a daily basis because you're there so often. So looking back, I'm not sure I would have chosen that clinic. Like again. Mm-hmm. Because it didn't have, um, I mean, my, my background is hospitality and I evaluate places by their customer service and how they're talking with their audience. Even the emails they still send me, I think they're not considering their audience. 
um, and it's and it feels very transactional and that's what it felt like going through the process for me that's a big deal but obviously my sister trumped that that was my biggest priority but I think someone should definitely listen to you know what they want their experience to be maybe journal about it or think about it in advance and then go find that clinic that matches their priorities that makes sense what about you Valerie well I mean working in the space gave me kind of a different perspective. I saw these doctors in the OR and heard some of the things that they said. Like, for example, this isn't, I'm not trying to dog clinics or dog doctors. It just is something I've observed being a medical sales rep that like, for example, a doctor would say, well, what happens in this OR is like Vegas. It stays here and would comment like on different stuff. Like, whether they were shaved or not, or whether they had lots of pubic hair. I just felt like that was a disrespect for women in general. And so got a very opinionated view on particular medical professionals um, that I would want to go to or wouldn't want to go to um, just based on their character. Like, you know, we were having a discussion, I think it was yesterday when we saw each other for the first time this week um, about how this is a very ego-driven market um, because it is so small and there's only so many educated level professionals and everyone's trying to make a name for themselves and fertility is only a 30 plus 30 40 year old industry so a lot has transpired in that 40 years um, less than 40 years and I think that there hasn't been enough time for there to be real true competition so I personally chose a female doctor my OBGYN's female, my um, reproductive specialist was also female, but partly because I felt so impacted that women get women. And we don't talk about our gender negatively in, in most aspects, where some of the men, I felt like, were a little less respectful. But that was just my own personal choice. Um, my clinic has now split and parted ways. So when I'm considering freezing again this fall, um, it's giving me some anxiety on how to, how I'm going to do it again, because then it means that my eggs will be in separate places. Which could be a good thing. Yeah. Um, and I think with our interviewer today, we might get some good insights on that, right? I'm so excited. We have Sarah Elizabeth Richards coming today. Yeah. And Riddell, you and I both know her on separate occasions, separate people in the industry, both linked her to us. And I'm so excited because just to give you some fun facts, there's only been 500 freezers in 2009, just to give you some perspective. And then in 2013, 5,000 women froze. And it's predicting that in 2018 that there will be 76,000 freezers. So it's just grown exponentially. Um, I think as women see this as a viable option, it's changing our perspectives and the stigma is going away. Future is female. Goes back to that. That's right. And why don't we take a break for our sponsors? Future Family is a new concierge service and fertility financing company that can help you afford treatments with packages as low as $75 a month. Plans cover clinic fees, medications, storage, and a nurse concierge. Use offer code EGGCLUB to access exclusive discounts for Egology Club listeners and visit futurefamily.com today. Your future will thank you. Okay, we're back. We're really excited for the guests, and I think um, we might have some good insights, too, on how to pick a clinic. Right? Yeah, so let's cover that. So it's definitely a process. Mm -hmm. um, I know that I'm seeing right now, if you're interested in certain clinics, check out if they put on free webinars, because yes. you may be able to or connect the egg with a parties. doctor. 
Mm-hmm. They also have networking events. Exactly. Where you can meet doctors can... on site. Mm-hmm. Right. So I definitely think um, all of those items should be free. Don't pay for, you know, attending any of those Agreed. parties or um, events, either online or in person. Also, too, I found that when I went to those parties, I met other women that were freezing that could I could network with and we could freeze around the same time as like a support group, maybe help each other get the sugar shot, things of that nature. So that's something to think about too. It's not only, you get to meet great doctors at these events and they're free. It's like getting a free consultation. Some doctors offer free consultations, some don't. So just be aware that when you do book the appointment, there might be a consultation fee. Um, But you should ask if you can get that waived or if they would give you a complimentary one if you ended up doing egg free if that could be taken off your bill. Great suggestions. And I love about bringing up the fact about like a support system and other people. That's huge, right? And those people that you network with, maybe they know about a doctor that they've heard great uh, results from. So you never know what type of information you'll learn from uh, these folks at the events. I think also too, you should probably ask your clinic, like how many egg freezers come through their practice versus IVF. There are some clinics that only do the first half like egg freezing and don't do the end half of free of unthawing your eggs after you freeze. And so the reason that's important um, could be that if you do want to use your eggs, that means you're going to have to move your eggs, pick a different doctor and go through the process of unthawing them in a different place. And so that might not be desirable for you. Also, like for example, I have several downtown clinics that I've called on in both New York, big metropolitan cities, San Francisco, Chicago. They actually do not keep your eggs on site. So another really good question to ask is where do my eggs go after I freeze them? Are they kept at a local freezing um, storage place here in the clinic? Or do I have to pay storage fees with an outside third-party person? You know, I think it's important to mention that it's just key for your eggs to move the least amount of times possible. So if you are 35, for example, and you think that you want to be a mom by 40, having them on site could be very desirable versus them going to a third-party place because some of those third-party places are in you know, very lab-friendly states such as New Jersey, um, Minnesota, Arizona, and that could be really far from where you live. Mm-hmm. and could possibly cause a medical error or a risk that you don't want to risk if possible. So, you know, kind of gauging how your clinic does not just the egg freezing process and their success rates of freezing, but where do your eggs go afterwards? Um, I also think once you find a clinic that you're comfortable with um, and you find a doctor there, you want to ask about the process. Will you see that doctor every time you go? Uh, most likely not. I knew that when you you go every day there for a good eight to ten days or so, um, so you'll be seeing different people at the clinic. Um, but you probably want that doctor to do your retrieval. So make sure you know they don't have any upcoming vacations, um, and that you know the retrieval day will depend on many factors. But you want to make sure that they're in the area. Um, as I'm sure many people have busy schedules and it's never an absolute guarantee, but if that's the doctor you want, um, I definitely think we should make sure you have them. You should ask your doctor based on my age, how many eggs should I expect to collect? I know Kara, you had a program, for example, at your clinic that told you how many you should try to collect, right? Um, ideally you want to have around 15 eggs frozen because they're finding for every five they unthaw, 
um, make an embryo and do genetic testing, one to two make it for in vitro. So ideally you want to have 15 eggs frozen. When you get your baseline testing done, your AMH, all that kind of stuff, you look at your ovaries, they're going to tell you kind of just general. Here are many follicles are seeing. This is what we estimating think is going to be. You're freezing at an opportune time. You don't have to do this yet. You can come back in a year or two. It's not... It's not dire right now. Uh, my center had uh, one package, which we'll get into at a different time when we're talking about the financing and the money part, uh, where you can do a couple of rounds for a flat fee. That's nice. I like some of these new programs that are starting to happen. And I think, uh, you know, when we talked to Sarah Elizabeth Richards, we're really going to see the differences from when she froze 10 years ago in 2006 to what we're seeing today in 2017. So it's... Uh, it's neat to watch this industry progress. Um, I think I would like to say, you know, there is a 2 to 12% chance that each egg you freeze could turn into a, a healthy baby and a live birth. So the number, there's a scale that they've now collected, and it's kind of like a chart based on your age. This is how many you need to freeze. 15 um, is a great number. I think that that's a really nice number to shoot for. Uh, my clinic told me 12 would be good to shoot for, but that's also going on the statistics of 2 to 12% per egg would turn into a live birth. Um, ideally, it is a numbers game. You want as many chances out there should you need them, 100%. Don't be discouraged if you don't have a lot of eggs frozen or not a lot of embryos frozen. It is a numbers game. You want as many tries as possible, absolutely, but it only takes one. And if you only have a few shots or one shot, it doesn't mean you're counted out. I think we should also touch on maybe some good resources and websites that um, talk about egg freezing and clinics that are out there. Um, for example, there's the SART data to look up your exact clinic that you choose. So that's S. A-R-T stands for Society of Assisted Reproductive Technology, and uh, but it's about the reproductive technology in medicine. And so that's a really good one that's easy. You can find your state, you can find your city, you can dial it down to your clinic, um, and that way you can look at your data. Just keep in mind that if you look at donor eggs, for example, normally those women are in their 20s, and so that data is going to be much different than the data um, for different ages. And then keep in mind that the age brackets, you know, they do like 20 to 30, 30 to 40, 39, 40, 41, 42 age brackets, that those are going to be for IVS successes. And that could be a different combination of many different things. Like they could have used a donor egg, for example, and that counts as a pregnancy success. So take those numbers with a grain of salt. Um, don't bank 100% on those. Ask the clinic how many of the percentage of your people in your clinic are actually freezers versus the IVFers. Um, you know, you were speaking to earlier, Riddell, how your clinic maybe not had been super friendly to egg freezing, but look at the time frame when you froze. It was mm -hmm. 2014. 14. And I do think that it's important to recognize the statistics around egg freezing are really still in infancy stages. So I froze almost three years ago now and I'm not using my eggs yet, so you can't get a success rate off of my eggs yet because I may not use them again for another five years. So I think that, um, you know, the when... The data's infant. The data is infant, mm -hmm. and just like our little cute eggs. Yeah, they're just right? like our eggs. And so I think in five years, seven years from now, we'll really be able to track the success rates of thawing and using these frozen eggs. Um, so that's just something to consider. 
But also remember that in 2012, that's when the ban was lifted and vitrification became the steady medium that was used in all the clinics. And just from our statistics we mentioned earlier, 5,000 freezers by 2013. So there may be some backlash in that number. Unfortunately, a lot of people had slow freeze done before 2013. Mm -hmm. And so those patients may not have successes if they waited till 37, 38, 39 to freeze. Those are a little bit later age. So I think it's important to ask your doctor as well, what's the right age to freeze for you? Um, But if you start with baseline testing, like AMH testing with your OBGYN at a younger age, like 25, 26, 27, 28, and you see your numbers, you'll have a better understanding how you should approach it in your 30s. All right, so let's take a break and hear from our sponsor. You work hard to be healthy. You eat right, exercise, and you've even tried natural deodorant. But have you ever thought about what's in your feminine protection? Cherish pads help keep you protected in more ways than one. They not only deliver eight layers of protection to keep you fresh and dry, they also offer an innovative negative ion strip that is proven to reduce pain and inflammation. 100% natural, 100% confident. Learn more at inspirenetwork.com. That's N-S-P-I-R-E network.com. All right, and we're back. Let's tell our audience a little bit about Sarah Elizabeth Richards. So she has been in the industry for quite some time, right? Yeah, Sarah Elizabeth Richards is a book author of Motherhood Rescheduled, um, and she is a journalist working for the New York Times. She's been with uh, Marie Claire. She writes for them, The Atlantic, Huffington Post, NPR, Today Show, and many more. Yeah, you know, when I first started doing my uh, research on egg freezing, Sarah's articles and name and story was really the only stuff I found. Sarah was in almost in every article, almost every video. So Sarah's pretty uh, big time. I mean, she's the earliest adopter I know that did egg freezing. Yeah, absolutely. I think she was like one of the first pioneers. And now she's you know, taking the story a little bit further. Um, and she is a relationship advice columnist for, um, eHarmony. I love that. I know. She's now taken the egg freezing to advice for dating and dating has changed so much. So I'm sure she has an array of wisdom to share with us. So let's get to it. Yeah. Welcome Sarah Elizabeth Richards. How are you doing today? Hi ladies. How are you? Thanks for being on the show. We're so excited to talk to you. We thought it would be helpful if you tell um, us and our audience a little bit about yourself. Sure. About my egg freezing story. You know, I was with somebody who didn't want to have kids and I didn't want to have them on my own at that point. And so, um, you know, I was doing the, oh gosh, what am I going to do? And then I learned about egg freezing. It was like one of the situations I wasn't really ready to break up with the person, um, but I wasn't ready to move forward with being a mom either. So yeah, egg freezing kind of had just become more available. This was about like 2006. Um, So um, I had a girlfriend who told me about it when we were talking over drinks one night, I asked my OBGYN and she's like, oh yeah, I've totally heard it's gotten better. You know, it's something you might consider. And so I was writing for Marie Claire magazine at the time and I got an assignment to um, just investigate it and find out if it was really an option for women. And it was, so I decided to do it. Um, we really think you're a rock star because um, you're just so fantastic to to do that and really do that for yourself. When I did it, you know, it was really something hush-hush. Uh, it, it's funny, the, the 
questions my friends would ask me or people would ask, you know, what, what wasn't about the procedure or, you know, how I felt about it. It was always like, what are you going to tell your mom? What are you going to tell your friends? What are you going to tell, you know, if you start dating somebody? And I was like, that's what you want to know. Like it was just had so much stigma and secrecy about it when, you know, it's such a great thing to do for yourself and it's so much more accepted and it's really, it's not just accepted, it's applauded now. It's kind of like a cool thing to do for yourself if, you know, you're smart and thinking about all your options. It's like, well, why why wouldn't you do that? It's nice to see that shift that's happened in our culture. So can we dive a little bit more on your journey of choosing how you decided to egg freeze, what clinics you picked, how you went about doing that, what sure. you did to find the doctors and where you froze? Well, it's it's really a different landscape now than when I froze. I mean, there were some clinics offering it more, there were, you know, a bunch that were just starting. And so, you know, you didn't have a thousand friends of a friends to ask. You didn't have women writing blogs like you guys. You didn't have doctor review sites. You didn't have a lot of people to ask about it. Or OBGYNs, you know, like mine was really encouraging, but there were a lot where they didn't really know that much about the procedure or they didn't know people offering it. So they'd be like, well, I don't know. And so you're kind of left in the dark about it a little bit. And um, so a good rule of thumb, even though I'll talk about finding egg freezing specifically, but, you know, you want a good IVF clinic. So that's how I kind of chose one is that there was a really good clinic in New York. Um, you know, they had started to do enough research where they had a couple babies that they had um, created from frozen eggs. So, like, they had enough research that made me feel comfortable. But, again, part of it, I mean, I talk about it in my book a little bit. I didn't sit down and, you know, talk to 10 people and make a chart and, you know, weigh all these pros and cons. I was like, well, they're a really respected clinic. Um, you know, I probably can't go wrong. They've got a couple babies. But the thing is, like, if you go to a good IVF clinic, you know, those you those people are going to be really good in terms of stimulating you to produce eggs because they do it for IVF patients. Their labs are going to be top notch. You know, um, they're all each. It's the egg freezing is just one part of the huge, extensive, you know, ballet that is IVF. So it's like if if they're going to get the egg freezing part right, they're probably going to get the rest of the part right. So that's just like something to really. Think about find a highly rated clinic, look at reviews. Um, there's a lot out there on the web now that you can look at. Also, go look at their success rates. You know, go to SART Society of Assisted Reproductive Technology. Any respected clinic has to you know report their clinic outcomes. So you know you can go online and read, and you can read it in detail. What kind of success rates do they have with this population and this age? And are they frozen embryos or frozen eggs? Or well, they don't have the frozen eggs up there yet, but they have. You know, you can just get a sense of how good your clinic is. Tell us a little bit about how you evaluated clinics to pick one for yourself. Yeah. So, so the, I mean, at the time I found one that was just a good clinic and that had had babies. So one of the most important questions you want to ask is one, how are they in general? But the second thing is that, you know, you need to find out how much experience they have in egg freezing specifically. And we're at a point in time where a lot, most doctors, IVF doctors, or I'm sorry, fertility doctors probably are offering egg freezing. And it's really easy for them to say, you know, Hey, we'll freeze your eggs. And we're offering this really great discounted price, but you want to make sure it's really easy to freeze the eggs. It's a lot different to actually thaw them, create an embryo from them, have that grow into a baby. So part of any woman's questioning should be, you know, have you, you know, how many eggs have you frozen? How many eggs have you thawed? And how many babies have resulted from them? And, you know, any good 
fertility doctor, they're going to be able to answer that and explain, you know, what they do and how they do it and how well they do it. At the time when I was doing it, there was sort of an older method of freezing called slow freezing. So um, I did some of my eggs that way. And then there's a newer technique called vitrification, which is sort of a faster flash freezing technique. And that's what's used mostly in clinics today. But so at the time, you know, when I was freezing them, the, my clinic was just starting to get into vitrification. But I found a doctor that in Montreal, actually, um, who had a lot of experience with the vitrification, that technique. So I actually called up that clinic in, at McGill and McGill University in Montreal. And I asked them if they, yes, indeed, were doing vitrification and would they accept American patients? So they said, yes, they were. And I could come freeze my eggs there. Um, and they actually, had t- at the time, had a three-cycle package. It just goes to show, like, going and <laughs> getting Canadian healthcare prices was a really, really good idea. So I got three rounds of freezing there for what it would cost to do one round in the U.S. But again, that was 10 years ago, and the prices in the U.S. have come down. You can get a lot better packages. So um, the technology is the same. So at the, I'm not sure it's worth running up to Canada for anybody now, but at the time, it was a good option for me because that let me store a lot more eggs using a different technology. Would you say that your career helped you kind of navigate this landscape of fertility and pick the clinics? Probably, yeah, because I think it's, you know, when you're, as a journalist, you're just used to calling up places. You're used to thinking, oh, that's interesting. How can I find out more? So yeah, it probably gave me the confidence to call them up. It wasn't easy though, because when you freeze your eggs, you know, you have to get about 10, you've got a lot of doctor's visits. You've got a lot of preliminary tests. You've got your 10 days of hormone shots. You know, it's a long process. So what, what ended up happening is that I had to find a doctor in New York who would do my ultrasound and my blood test in New York, send those results up to Montreal. And then I had to like figure out, well, you know, when are the eggs going to be ready to harvest? And so, you know, you have to fly up or drive up and you've got to time it, you know, you're getting hotels and, you know, one time I flew and then the retrieval was off and then the airline wouldn't, you know, (laughs) wouldn't change my flight. And so it, it was not that easy. And then you had the other issue of, I had to ask an OBGYN to like, translate um like a prescription and (laughs) we're driving all around trying to get like an extra dose of hormones one afternoon so I mean it's possible but it wasn't easy that is quite an adventure I think and um um, from what we're hearing (laughs) I'm sure what you're seeing uh, especially in countries that have banned this I think a lot of um women are doing that too now so yeah like in China China and and Singapore they actually don't allow egg freezing so they're having to come to the states or different countries countries can the eggs cross the border technically or do you, if you wanted to use those eggs would you have to go there I actually haven't I mean I assumed I would use my eggs here first um yeah I assume I would just go there to, to do it because it's easier I mean you know obviously well, they would ship them for me if I asked they've been doing it longer than we have you know they have top-notch facilities and so it's one of those things I think the general rule of thumb is that you don't want to move the eggs if you don't have to mm-hmm. you know and it's again and they're a really top-notch IVF clinic, so... They're safe there. It's fun. You get to go up. I go get... Uh, there's a, I have a favorite restaurant. I get foie gras, and, like, you know, it's, like, a little a little trip, and it's Memory fun. Lane. I have my favorite shops. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You, you, make a, you make a holiday out of it. it you do, yeah. So it's not, it's not the worst thing in the world. Right. Does it, does it ever bother you having eggs, like, in a different location than where you're at because you now left New York and went to California? Oh, yeah, I did. No, actually, in some ways, it's um, more reassuring. 
I mean, I know, I know you don't want to be paranoid and think like, oh my God, what could happen to my eggs? But I mean, they're, they're technically in three different places. So, you know, when her, the big hurricane happened in New York, you know, there, there, were, there actually was a time where they had to go to an emergency generator at NYU. So, you know, nothing happened to that. But, like, you know, you never think something could happen to your eggs. But, you know, that was an example. Like, if NYU didn't have their act together, you know, all those people's, you know. It's such a huge investment. So to think that something could happen to them, I mean, it's possible, right? There was a story about an embryologist had dropped a dish of um, a Petri dish containing a bunch of embryos and like they were destroyed so, i mean they, right anything could happen yeah yeah there, there's always see that there's always the what if factor but right. you just take comfort in knowing and trust in the process exactly but what's interesting is like i feel like when at least this was my my story but when you start it and you're in that mindset um i guess it's like when you really get into a, a diet almost or you're just so focused on the goal and you're just so committed that you're like in this groove i was just in that mindset where i wanted to freeze as many as i could and so it was just like, okay, all right, I did this round. Okay, now what do I need for the second round? When, when do I need to do it? Um, you just, you feel really focused on, you know, doing your test and ordering your drugs. And I, it's just, you go into this kind of groove. I've interviewed a lot of women on experience.com and you are by far the only woman I know that has over 50 eggs. How many eggs do you have? 70, I have. 70 oh. eggs! Yeah. And how many times but did you freeze? I mean, because someone had asked me, like, well, are you hoarding <laughs> eggs? And I'm like, no. But what had happened is, so I had done two rounds in New York. I had a three-package deal in Canada, and then I decided to do another set in New York, which was with a different um, procedure where they give you less hormonal medication, um, less shots, and it was a lot cheaper there, too. And so that was a three-package deal. So it was mostly because, like, I had these packages. I so like, I just wanted to finish them up, and that's how I got so many. Obviously, I don't think any woman needs to bank that many eggs. I think you're Guinness Book of World Records. You're like the, the egg, egg lady. That's so many. Oh my God, I love it. You're like, how many eggs do you have? You're like 5,000. A huge insurance policy. It is. The, and the thing is, psychologically, what it gives you is you're not, you know, I don't know, it's that, it really let me put it out of my mind. Right. You know, and here's, the, it's, it's always an awkward thing, right? If you talk to any doctor, hey, should I rely on those eggs? They say, absolutely not. You know, I, I talked to one doctor and you know she had this this formula you're trying to figure out right like when you should use your eggs and stuff and like she was saying well you know you should have them in mind but you know try to time like when you would have a child let's say by you know your early 40s or something because that way if you know it didn't work naturally you had this your eggs as an option so but it's this weird gamble like not a gamble but it's like I don't know what's the word where you're trying to like you know have one foot here and then have one foot there and you're trying to weigh them against each other Mm -hmm. but at a certain point you know it's like nice knowing that they're there for you you know and that you have enough that you know you're not sitting there with eight eggs you know weren't worried that if they don't all work you know then but at the end of the day what I think a lot of women don't realize when they go into that oh what if they don't work and how many should I freeze is that you know if you do all this for yourself you know you're at the other end your eggs don't work you know you still have other options you know we've got frozen donor eggs that are a lot cheaper these days and a really good option for a lot of women and the thing that I'm always surprised is like a lot of people don't 
don't know about them. So it's like, if, if you do get to that journey and your, you know, your eggs didn't thaw the right way or they didn't, they didn't, um, you know, result in to viable embryos or that didn't result into a pregnancy, you always have other options and you have like options that aren't that bad either. They're actually pretty decent these days and, you know, a lot cheaper and a lot more available to talk about like how many eggs you should freeze. So a lot of doctors have come up with a number now that they're giving patients because before they didn't know what to tell patients, you know, they're like, well, I guess you should freeze as many as you could afford or how many, you know, you how many rounds you feel like going through. So what I've heard is it's anywhere from like 28 to 30 eggs is kind of a good number to shoot for depending on the age. Is there any advice you would give future egg freezers or women that are debating egg freezing? I mean, you have really been the pioneer, like I said. Um, <laughs> you guys are so sweet. It, it only resulted in good things in my life. We all know that it takes the pressure off. It makes you feel really proud of yourself. Like you did something really good for yourself. It's like eating vegan for a day or something. It's like, wow, that was, you know, I really did something good for myself, um, you know, or doing yoga for a week. It's part of self-care these days. It's like, you just don't want to be sitting there thinking about, oh, I don't know, every date and where every relationship is going. And it's just so much pressure. And to have that pressure off and to be able to live your life in a really organic, positive way where you feel good about yourself and your choices and your future, it's just all upside. So the fact that women are able to do it more affordably and more easily and are encouraged to do it at younger ages. I don't know. I just see it's a, you know, freeze. If you're on the fence, freeze. Have you guys, have you guys ever talked to anyone who regretted it? No, no, never. Yeah. Yeah. We've always talked to people that wish they had done it at a younger age. Right. And maybe that's part of the, the way you talk to yourself. You want to feel good about your decisions, but I just think that women gain from it. It's so positive. From the moment you learned about egg freezing or started uh, researching the technology, how long did that take before you took your first leap? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, there is a time period where I think women have to sort of digest it because, you know, you think like, oh, this is available, then you have to think, well, where am I in my life? Am I, how, you know, close am I to becoming a mother? What would it take for me to become a mother and get there? And then you kind of have to go through the way all these things in your life, um, your relationships, your finances, where you are, and just generally everything. And then you kind of have to get used to the idea that what's, what would the procedure be like? What would it feel like? How much would it cost? Like, how am I going to get that money? Um, okay. If I did it in, um, August, okay. Where, how's that going to fit in with the vacation I'm thinking? So it's like, you're kind of sorting a bunch of things out. And I think for a lot of women that can take a little time, I, I don't think it's something that women do like in a, in a month, it may take a couple of months at the same time, you know, there is the risk. And I've talked to some, some women about this is that they sit on it for a while and then it just becomes this like paralyzing feeling where they're like not sure how to move forward and then you know they'll have a birthday and they'll feel anxiety about that and um so it's one of those things that's like let it marinate in yourself like let um like think about it mull over it but don't let it take on a life of its own you know, maybe give yourself a like, okay, in four months, I'm going to make a decision. And the other thing, which I think is not helpful is I've talked to a, a psychologist about this for, for an article. And she was saying a lot of women, you know, they, they try to like make that decision dependent on where they are dating some guy. So they think like, okay, well, I met this guy. We had a really great fourth date. If in six months, this relationship is not where I want it to be, then I'm going to freeze, freeze my eggs. And that's 
that's not always helpful because then you're like giving that relationship way too much power to, you know, influence, you know, these other pretty big life decisions. So, you know, and then like say that relationship wouldn't work out and then they're like, I don't know. And then they go through, have to deal with the breakup and then they have to deal with that whole decision-making again. So I don't know if you're at a certain age and you know, you want children and you, you know, maybe, you know, even if the relationship is going well, maybe you're going to want those for a second or third child down the line, you know, make the decision independent of where you are in a relationship. All right, Sarah, all right. thank you so much thank for your time. You. We love to thanks hear so your much for story. On. And thanks for all the work you guys are doing and spreading the good word. It's nice to see this new generation, you know? Thank you. Wow. What a fun interview with Sarah. Oh my gosh. Love her. What was your biggest takeaway from her interview? But I didn't realize uh, 2006 was the year that she actually froze. Like that was a long time ago. Or how about how she froze six times, Kara? I mean, you can probably relate to doing Many, it three she times. She has like 70 eggs on ice. Like she's like Guinness Book of World Records holding and, and her eggs are in a couple different locations. I, I like that. that different though. nationalities for different babies. <laughs> well, they're still her genetics, yeah, <laughs> but it's fun to talk about. It's I was just worried about them. Like, how do you cross the border? Because I, I've, I've talked to a couple of um, egg freezers, for example, on experience.com that they're American, uh, but they froze in the UK and then maybe they moved back or vice versa. They froze in the States and then moved to the UK, for example. They said that there's this whole entire process with like customs and trying to get your DNA back in the other place that it's so much easier just to go back to the original location that you froze at. Makes sense. Yeah, and it does. And then have to build in all those travel costs and yeah. really plan that out. Yeah, so. that's a big commitment. Mm-hmm. I love how Sarah mentioned that's like a, you know, a little vacay, a little adventure. Yeah, she, she made it fun. Spots. I know. Very but personalized for her. I just, um, I just really like how Sarah has been so open about her story because she really is the first one to come forward. And maybe it was because of her journalism and press and her job that made her more open and willing to talk to press and media or the story that they were looking for. She was an easy one to go after because she was already public. But it's really brave of her because mm-hmm. 10 years ago, I can imagine the stigma, like she talked about, mm-hmm. that she's got the questions of when you're going, instead of how did you freeze your eggs and what's involved in freezing your eggs, you got how, oh my gosh, uh, when are you going to tell your parents or when are you going to tell the guy you're dating? Or like the stigma just seems so weird. Yeah. It's changed a lot. It has changed a lot. I think there's a little bit more to go, but we've come a really long way. Yeah. And hopefully our podcast will start the conversation in a broader way. What do you think, Kara? I agree. I mean, um, it all starts finding your fertility center, taking the journey, choosing the right team to go with you, and um, Godspeed on, you know, getting a good amount to move forward. Give us a call, 978-EGG-CLUB. That's 978-344-2582. Drop us an email, eggologyclub at gmail.com. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram for eggology club at Egology club please subscribe to our podcast tell a friend and um, give us a review on itunes especially because it helps us in the ranking and then more women can just stumble upon our podcast if they're searching for something like this so thank you and and leave a review yeah and i think our key takeaway for like even this week's episode is just be your own advocate ask questions don't be afraid to see what is possible you miss every shot you don't take That's that's right. And just listen to your gut overall. If you find your friends are going with one center, you didn't feel good about it, go with the one you felt good about. Listen to your gut at the end of the day. 
And I think everybody has an opinion, right? At some point, you have to tune out everybody else's opinion and go with your gut. Everybody I've talked to in my journey of egg freezing, it's only brought good things. Like Sarah said that too. Like even going public and coming out and erasing the stigma, it's only brought good things for her. And don't feel like you have to know your entire plan of how it's going to play out. Maybe this is just the first piece of the puzzle. You don't have to have baby names like Kara already has or, you know, knowing what sex... Carly and Tyler. (laughs) Twins, too. So cute. You don't already have to have that entire plan played out, you know? like. But you also can. But you also can. Like, Riddell, you you are very much a planner. You like this whole planning situation. But I didn't plan... I didn't... Well, there weren't that many blogs at the time, but I didn't look around at all. I didn't look to the left or the right. I I thought that was great. I didn't tell my parents. It was my sister and I and then a few close friends, and that was it. Because I did Mm -hmm. get... Once I started talking about it, I did get... Everyone's opinion. Yeah, and some weren't great. So I'm really glad that I protected it until I made the decision. And that being said, if the first meeting you meet... The first fertility center you meet with you feel good about, you like the numbers, go with them. Don't feel like you're required to look at three or five different places. That's a good point. Because then you're just going to be looking at all the info, and then you're going to forget what feels good because you're just... Let me look at everything out there. Analysis paralysis. Correct. (laughs) That's right. You really do become like paralyzed. Yeah. You know, um, the Spanx founder, Sarah. Sarah, Uh Yeah, I love her. Um, She talked about when she started her startup company, how she didn't tell anybody and how Mm -hmm. ideas are the most vulnerable in the infancy stage. That's right. And so egg freezing is kind of like the infancy stage. Mm -hmm. It's pre-infancy, essentially, you know. intended. Yeah, Mm -hmm. no kidding. And so I just love that kind of mentality that, you know what, it's okay to have a little bit of things you don't share. You don't have to be out in the public in the world. I mean, society on Facebook and, and social media, we do kind of put our lives on a reel or display, but it doesn't necessarily have to be that way about egg freezing. If you want to be private about it, be private about it. If it makes you feel better to have conversations and come out and talk to people, then do that. But whatever's right for you. Anything else, ladies? Nope. Have fun finding your clinic. Raydell out. Kegbra out. Valerie out. You have been listening to episode eight of the Egology Club podcast, Doctor Shopping. Make sure to tune in next week when we talk to Stephanie Linder and what events in her life made her decide to freeze her eggs, quit her job, and travel the world. Today's episode of Eggology Club was written and co-hosted by Raydell Peichler, Valerie Landis, and Kara Egber. The show was produced and mixed by Shannon Holly. Caricature artwork by Peter Scott. Logo and cover art by Lily Chen. If you haven't yet, please subscribe, leave a rating, and contact us at eggologyclub.com. Do you love red wine and coffee, but you care about keeping your teeth white? Then you need to be a diva. A vino diva. Vino diva is a usable wine aeration straw. It aerates your wine with every sip to make it taste incredible and it protects your smile from red wine and coffee stains search vino diva on amazon today every woman has the little black dress now every woman needs the little black straw vino diva